I'm Andrew Haynes, and this is the Fair Game Podcast, the place where we talk about all things golf. Hello, friends. Our favorite time of the year is officially here. Things are warming up across the country, and we've been able to sneak in a few rounds to knock off some of the winter rust. Most of all, the first major of the year is about to kick off in Augusta, Georgia. It's truly a week like no other. For this episode, we've got two of our favorite fair gamers on to talk about all kinds of stuff, including who we think is going home with a cream jacket. The first is Drew Westfall, also known as Everyday Drew. The second is Chris Whitehead, also known as Tea Up Cakes with Chris. Let's get started. Hello, friends. <laughs> I don't sound like Jim Nance, but we're going to go with that anyways. Welcome to the first Fair Game Masters themed episode. So I know, so Drew's been on the podcast, uh, but Chris, this is your first time. I don't know your story in terms of like how you got into the game. And then also I want to, I want to unpack how you started your, your channel tee up tick, uh, kicks with Chris. Cause like it clear, clearly you like, you're, you're into a lot of stuff. Um, so like, when did you start playing golf? So I started playing golf officially in 2013. Um, and that is such a good year, right? Cause we had a TW 13 come out, right? Nice. So many things going on in the golf world. And golf was always cool to me, uh, especially when Tiger started playing. Um, even before Tiger, I was a big, uh, I liked John Daly a lot. Just like seeing him smoking cigarettes on the golf course. I always thought that was hilarious. And the fact that he could get up there and, you know, to get that ball gone. You know, I love that. Um, and then even going back to, obviously, I wasn't, I wasn't there when he was playing. But going back and watching old footage of uh, Calvin Peake, class just the accuracy all of that i just loved it and so when i picked up the game in 2013 um honestly everybody goes to that period of time where you just really suck like i think <laughs> i'm still there right kind of you know what i mean we're all there <laughs> i know right but the beautiful thing about it is um to kind of rewind so it started in 2013 i used to this is going to sound crazy but i used to sell like uh, cds and dvds back in the day and my cousin worked at uh, a charter school that's literally down the street from Eastlake, uh, Eastlake Golf Course. And so there were two coaches there, Nyree and Jeff Dunavit. And if you look up Jeff Dunavit, he's got some huge history in the golf world. Uh, one of the first black uh, golfers um, associated with the Atlanta Golfer Association. He's got a lot of different accolades. But anyway, I used to sell CDs and DVDs to them. And. I was like, yo, you guys are golf coaches, right? And they actually both coached my um, two little cousins who were really good at the time. And they were better than me, obviously. I probably can kick their butts now, but um, they were really good. So kind of got into talking with them. And then one, um, one Friday, got them some CDs and DVDs. They bought them from me. We linked up at this little restaurant down the street. Just lo and behold, happened to be Masters Week. So we ended up mm -hmm. watching uh, the second round of the Masters on that Friday and just kind of talking through the game and that's really what got me hooked and so i've been hooked since then and um to answer the second part of the question uh the actually the idea for tee up kicks with chris came from um my love for sneakers and golf and so for me instantly uh looking at the space just from an outer lens i was always like yo like i feel like they're this because the sneakers were just starting to kind of roll out what was that 2017 2016 maybe 
that's when we kind of started seeing the Jordan, the Jordan three, Jordan, like all those different uh, flavors. And so that's when I really was kind of getting like, yo, this is, this is amping up. And as COVID kind of came around, uh, I had a lot of time as most of us did to kind of sit and think like, what is it that I really want to do right now? You know what I mean? Cause obviously we were all kind of working, but it's like, what can I do to kind of fill um, this extra time that I had? And so that's when I started the channel. Cause I realized there wasn't a lot of brothers that were, there weren't any brothers. Um, I think uh, a boy, uh, Jock Slade, he would do a couple reviews here and there, mm-hmm. but there was nobody that was consistently just golf sneakers. That's all they're talking about. So I said, yo, I can do that. So I started the channel. I'll never forget. I had uh, <laughs> I had cut my um, a tendon in my thumb with a pure Michael Jordan move. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> right. Back in February of 2020. Craziest story. I'm at a buddy's house and I like a s- occasional cigar here and there. And the cigar cutter he had, the hole, you know, normally the cigar cutter hole is just big enough to get a cigar. This one was like a guillotine, like legit. It was huge. And so, you know, him and I are kind of chopping it up. I've done this plenty of times, not studying it. What I'm thinking is that my uh, cigar is my thumb, come down on it, cuts it pure in half. I mean, <laughs> you can't make this up, right? We're, we're having, I mean, this is, this, and this is, uh, this was the, I forget which championship, NFL championship we were watching. I think it was the, uh, it was the 49ers and the, they were playing the Packers. And so my wife's a big 49ers fan. I'm a big Packers fan. So we were vibing. Everything Thank was you, going Chris. well. That, Oh yeah, for sure. No problem. Yeah. And then um, I'm a Packers fan too. Oh uh, yeah, Wisconsin. My man, my man all, the, all day. I'm like, oh, that was really nice, Drew. Um <laughs> got you. <laughs> so like the vibes were really high. And then my buddy goes, Yo, this is a good night, man. Let's just go have a cigar. So like I said, put my thing, put my thumb in the cigar cutter, went down mm-hmm. on it, cut my tendon pure in half, right? And um, so that really sucked. <laughs> so that really sucked. Yeah, that's not ideal. Had to do, yeah, had to do physical therapy. And then to, I'm not going to get too deep down that road, but the next month I had to have a hernia surgery as well. Now, all of this is prior to COVID happening. So mm-hmm. by the grace of God, I was able to get both of those surgeries in right before COVID and the shutdown happened. Ooh. Because because wow. had I now now the hernia was something that I had kind of been sitting on because it wasn't really I was still able to run and work out and everything it wasn't really debilitating but my wife was like yo well, you've already got the time out like go ahead take care of that and I'm so glad I did mm. uh, because that enabled me to just get a little bit more focused on the channel but I was saying all that to say my first episode that I shot uh, I was actually recovering from the thumb surgery so I'm holding the shoe and my thumb is like dead straight. So if you ever go back and watch that first video, it's hilarious because I'm like naturally trying to hold the shoe and my thumb is can't bend my thumb and it's just weird. But wow. that's kind of yeah, that's kind of where it started. And then uh, as I kind of got deeper into it, I realized like, oh man, like all these ideas started coming to me. Like I thought about all the different sneaker silhouettes that I wanted to see in a golf federation. So I came up with the Make 'Em Golf uh, series, and then that just kind of matriculated into. Uh, using Photoshop and getting comfortable with that, which I'm kind of a self-taught Photoshop uh, Photoshop guy, so that's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, man, I know, right? It's just, it's just, I just played on it and did a couple of YouTube videos. You know, YouTube University is that's that mm. they're the most accredited institution across. across you can learn. That. You can learn anything on YouTube. Anything. Right. <laughs> Something's broken in the house. Oh, baby, I'm going to YouTube. Correct. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, so that was really the the catalyst for it. And then as I kind of grew um, with Photoshop and my ideas continued to grow, you know, I said, yo, I could. There's so many clothes that I want to do. There's so many designs I want to put on shirts. Da 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 da. So my mind just started sprouting, and these ideas would just come to me. So I took that, came up with the Masters Collection, and just kind of continued to evolve from there. So the the tee up kicks world is just a big evolution of where I want to see golf sneaker culture going and heading towards the future. And I know that I could bring a lot of people to the game because of that love for sneakers and then that love for golf. Uh, so, so yeah, that's, that's really where the inception for it came from. Dope. I have one question and then we'll, I want to sw- talk about Drew for a second. This might be a very difficult one for you to, to answer. So if you had to pick your favorite, only get one, your top top sneaker that's not in golf right now that if you were like if you could call up the ceo of any company and said we're making this model in golf tomorrow what is the what is the brand and what is the model and what color is it coming in you got one that's it just one yeah (laughs) wow dude that's that's tough i didn't look I didn't say this would be the only one. You you throw one out now, maybe you circle back and do another one. But yeah, which one are you jumping to first? All right. Naturally inclined to say the Air Max 93. Um because I I like I like the 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 makeup of the of the shoe. I like the uh kind of the 270 degree uh air bubble on it. Uh, we kind of got that in the Air Max 270s. I really think that shoe if if it was done right, could really be a game changer. Of course, we'd have to reinforce the upper around the ankle, but I, that that shoe is fire to me. Um, okay. And and for the sake of being fair on your question, I'm not going to say the other shoe I would like. <laughs> yeah, please circle back. Please circle back. We will we will circle back. But yeah, but uh, I want to switch to Drew for a second because obviously Drew has a lot of shoe and overall style knowledge. In addition to being one of the one of the members of Group Golf Therapy. Um, I learned about this a little bit later on, but like Drew has a deep connection just to just the overall like style industry. And like, I'm watching videos and I'm seeing this dude pop up with like, you know, Justin Rose and like things with Adidas. So like, so Drew, outside of group golf therapy, can you tell us a little bit about like just your connection to overall just the style industry? Yeah. So my, so my, uh, origin of internet, uh, presence (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> actually so i i so I, i've lived in, in wisconsin my whole life i grew up here close to, to madison our state capital and then i went to school in milwaukee and then i i stayed i stayed in milwaukee my my whole life so um for me it was i i was always interested in in men's style and men's fashion but without moving to new york city or uh, miami or la you know there's limited access to how much uh you can know and learn about uh style so thankfully there's this thing called the internet which uh has connected me to so many things so um you know i graduated college and and uh i found like like i was on tumblr and reddit when i was in college and just like learning about different style and and there were like style forum and um all these like sneaker blogs like the jordan um like all of the all the blogs of like the era so like the late 2000s when when people still went to blogs for information so I was, uh, yeah, I was just consuming all of this content and learning about style and fashion. And, and that was something that like really interested me. 
Um, but I never really thought that that would be a career path for me. So, um, and then, you know, this, this beautiful app called Instagram came out and I, I started posting, you know, just if you look at it, look back at, at it now, I think I've archived a lot of the pictures, but uh, just putting out like an outfit grid, you know, kind of before that was a thing and, and just laying out mm-hmm. some outfits. And, and it was really great because that was still when Instagram was a platform where it was just photos. There was no DMs. There was no algorithm. It was just you sharing pictures, using a couple hashtags. And then it was like, holy cow, like there's like this amazing community of sneaker sneaker heads. There's people doing uh, this hashtag menswear. So it's like the suited and booted guys from like 2010. And I found all of that on Instagram. And I, you know, started posting and, and this was like a time when you could still gain followers and, <laughs> and all of that, all that. Cool stuff. So it was, it was right. amazing. So I, I like was kind of becoming like a fashion blogger, I guess, is that, if that's what, that's what we would, we'll call it nowadays. So, and that, and so like, let's fast forward to like, I, I started doing this in like 2012 or 2013. So like mm-hmm. early Instagram. And like I said, I, I still remember before DMs and before video, like it was just pictures, no no uh, sliders, just a singular photo. Um, so it was great because I connected with all of these folks all over the world. Uh, I made a lot of friends in New York and LA that were also fashion people or writers, bloggers, editors, uh, creative directors for brands. And it was just this like very like pure um, appreciation for, for, for clothing and, and putting together outfits and learning about how things are made and um styling things and, and like learning about textures and patterns and and I was just really enthralled with that that whole world um and from there I got some a, a few writing gigs where you know I did a couple things for like GQ BuzzFeed where they would just like they're looking for some style things and I would just write a few you know a few bylines here and there uh, and this was probably like 2014 2015 um but the like my my real moment where it was like this is really validating um, there, there's this like trade show called the project trade show, which is probably one of the biggest uh, contemporary fashion trade shows in, in North America. And, um, uh, this guy, this, his name is Marcus Troy. He's, a he's an all around creative based in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Marcus, he curated this group called the blogger project where he would bring, uh, fashion bloggers from around the world down to the project Vegas show. And he reached out to me. He was like, Hey, I'd like for you to come down. And, and, you know, I gained a pretty decent following on social media and, and I, like I had a blog and I was blogging about clothes. And so that was just like, wow, like Marcus, I, I didn't know him before this, but he saw my work and was like, he wanted me to join this group of like 12 to 15 fashion bloggers, men and women from across the country to come down to Vegas and like shoot content and meet with brands. And this was like 2016. So, yeah, so that was like a, a huge door that opened up for me. And, and I got to meet a bunch of other bloggers, writers, content creators um, before that was like a, a real job like it is nowadays. So, yeah, I mean, I guess for me, it was I was one of the first and I'll hate saying it, but like influencers uh, before it was like a job that people were aspiring to do. Um, I was just doing it like I was just creating content posting outfit pictures um doing stylized things um and and yeah one thing kind of led to another um so I like I I had been doing that up until 2020 and then COVID hit I everyone was home I was working remotely from home my wife was working remotely from home so I was like I have I'm not putting on clothes I'm not 
dressing up like I'm just here wearing sweatpants every day um, and that was kind of when my love affair with golf came back I had played high school golf I had played um, college golf d3 and then I just you know fashion became my my real hobby for the next decade so I played maybe a handful of rounds in 10 years and then 2020 hit and I played I think I logged like 60 rounds in 2020 nice. just because it was like the one thing that we could all do mm-hmm and then, and then you kind of know the rest of the story. I met Bradford, I met Connor, we started our thing and, and group golf therapy uh, exists now. But it, for me, it was really great to, to bring golf and fashion together because growing up in the nineties, golf fashion was admittedly bad. Like it was, you know, <laughs> giant, giant polos uh, and khaki pleated khaki pants. <laughs> there was a time. And it's so interesting. We're dating ourselves here, but I remember that era. It's like the the blogger era, the the pre when Instagram was a thing, but not really a thing. You know, I used to I used to go to Street Etiquette and like at Marcus Troy and 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 all those dudes. Uh, that that's where the inspiration came from, and that was a it was a really fun time because I feel like on one end. Uh, there were less players in the mix, right? So then you were able to just like identify the people doing cool things. And then on the other side of it, it was probably one of the last times now that I really think about it where individuals, i.e. brands like Brooklyn Circus, whatever, whatever, like were creating actually like full-on digital experiences. It wasn't just like, here's a picture, here's a video in an app and a little grid. It was, I mean, those guys had like legit sites and uh, that was, I always thought that was cool. Cause that, that was part of the, part of the vibe. But yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Marcus Troy is OG. He's great. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Like, I, and like, for, like I said, so like getting his stamp of approval or, or whatever you want to call it, that was just, that was such a validating moment for me. Cause uh, you know, Marcus is a, a guy from Montreal and, and I think, for for Americans, it's like I think people from Montreal sometimes get slept on, even though I think Montreal is one of the coolest cities in in Canada. Uh, but Marcus made a you know a, an amazing and has made an amazing career. He, like he's like he's constantly you know redefining the culture of you know fashion and music and and all of that stuff. So that that like I said that was that was amazing and and I um, you know it's it's like a sentimental time to think about when we would go to those blogs and like you said, street etiquette was, was a, was a huge one. Um, and or even like, you know, RIP to Kanye, but Con- I, I remember going to like Kanye's blog back in the day and like reading the, the things that, that were on, you know, on there as well. And it was like, you could find music, like music blog. Oh yeah. You're right. He did have a blog. Was it, was it like Kanye university or something? Was that what it was called? The URL? I'm totally forgetting. I want to say it did have some type of school. Yeah, it was uh, it was school yeah, related. Burbage, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that was a that was a flashback. Yeah. So, just a quick question, since we're talking about this and it's relevant to when IG first started, does everybody here is everybody here using an iPhone, or do you have an iPhone? Yeah. Yeah, iPhone only. Yep. Okay. Ever Sweet. since Instagram, yeah. Sweet. I just didn't want to piss anybody off. So remember <laughs> Instagram. So Instagram, when it first started, it was only available to people with iPhones. Right? That is that is true. And and that was like the <laughs> Instagram in its purest form, right? Yeah. That was before all the ads. That was before all the memes. Like it was literally people like taking fly photos of nature and fashion mm-hmm. 
and sneakers. And it was just, and the, like you said, Drew, the outfit grids, like the fact that you were doing golf outfit grids that long ago is like a huge part of why. Like that's golf sneaker culture history. And I love that. So I'm going to highlight that on the reel. So I just wanted to put that on. It's super dope. But that's dope. That's stuff people need to know because a lot of people like started doing that recently. And I kind of was like, yo, that's, this is not new, bro. Like people been doing this, you know? Yeah. So it's cool to know that you're, you were a trendsetter, you know what I mean? In so many different ways. So giving you your flowers now, bro. That's dope. Oh, thank you, man. No, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm a trendsetter. I've just been doing it a long time. <laughs> I mean, See, I, I, I think I, I look to, I look to people for inspiration too. So for me, it was, it was guys like Marcus and there's a bunch of, you know, a lot of the bloggers that Marcus brought down were like fashion guys like myself, but they were in New York. So they had more access to going to, going to showrooms and things like that, that I didn't have, but uh, just calling them my peers and is, is, uh, is something that I, I appreciate. And, and I made a lot of lifelong friends in the, in the style world. So, um, you know, a lot of the people that worked at Complex back in the day, they've gone on to do you know, their own shows and podcasts. And, and it's like really exciting to have kind of come up with a lot of those people, even though I didn't live in New York. So I, I feel I feel like a kinship with a lot of the people that that are that are in, you know, in the city, um, even though I've never lived there. And I, you know, I, I try to get there as much as I can, but I, I'm not a New Yorker. But I a lot of people, when they see my work, they're like, are you from New York? I'm like, I'm, at, I'm actually not. I, I'm in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's, it's, it's yeah it's a high compliment though if someone does think i'm i'm not from from here so well super done dude you got taste man now drew it's your turn so uh you get the you got the the i don't know you have the funds you can call up any brand and say hey i want you to make this non-golf shoe golf shoe who are you calling what model are you making you get one what's the first one I think one of my favorite golf shoes of all time, um, and I don't think Chris might know this, but I don't think this brand has ever dipped in into the golf world. Uh, but the Reebok of uh, the Answer, the Allen Iverson shoe. Wow! Wow! <laughs> well, Allen Iverson one is my favorite basketball player of all time. Question: Yes. So the Answer is was my favorite shoe because that was just kind of when I was a kid, and that was like the one shoe that I wanted to have. But also, the Question is also one of my favorite shoes. But I would want the answer uh, as my golf shoe if I could make one. Interesting. Like the the shape of it, like it doesn't, I don't feel like it would be a good golf shoe. <laughs> to wear the answer on the golf course if it had some spikes built into it. I was going to, what fun. colorway, Drew? I had the red and white. With the gold, with the mm -hmm. accents of the gold? Yeah. So I did a mock-up. I haven't posted it, but mm -hmm. I did a mock-up of a, a spikeless version of that shoe. Ooh. It came out pretty cool. The The only thing that's tricky is the bottom of the sole. Mm -hmm. Bottom of the sole was kind of like bubbly, kind of like the way it was kind of, it was like a lot of obtuse shapes and, you know, it's, it's really strange. So that was cool. Kind of trying to work around that. Yeah. So man, I'm going to have to post that. Cause that, yeah, that, that, that is definitely on the list. Cause yeah. Even with the question, I know I, I mocked up a couple of questions uh, a couple of while, you know, a while ago. And, I do remember uh, that, was, yeah. Yeah, what was they what was the bubble they used was on the out was it the uh like the, the hexa? honeycomb? You mean yeah, it the... was it was the honeycomb, but it was a name. It was the honeycomb, but it was like a hex H E X A Hexa something. Anyway, that's that's dope, bro. I love yeah. that. Yeah, I'm having middle school flashbacks. That was great. Yes. Same. Was <laughs> yes. Such a great era, man. 
It's a good era for shoes. We just sound like old heads. Just we're so we're so old. I'm okay with watched. that. Yeah, that's fine. I'm but but I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, because me too. When, because when anybody, because we're when, right. Right, right. <laughs> when 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 younger cats go back and look, they're like, you know what? They're right. <laughs> no, but look, I will I will say, in all fairness, right? When you and again, this could be biased because we're all old, but I I would say that when you look at the state of the market right in turn and not just shoes i think it's clothes and and a lot of areas of style we've reached this point where there is so much nostalgic flashback there's so much 90s-esque 80s-esque 70s-esque stuff that's kind of like in the mix like even i would argue the rise of 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 foot joy popularity is not necessarily from it's strictly i like the aesthetics of the shoe I think a lot of that is also coming from the fact that like it's throwback and throwback is cool. And like you take that and you, you create some visual, visual tension. You know, these are like classic style rules, right? It's kind of like it, it all goes back to the, like the, the, the Anna Wintour, like high low, I'm going to put, put a pair of jeans on with a super expensive coat. Like it's like what Cole does. Like he'll put on some classic foot joys and rock with some like trunk shorts. And that, that, that's a golf vibe. So I will say for all the old heads out there, it's cool to be old and be into the old stuff because the kid the kids are into it now. And who knows? We'll we'll see where things go. But it, it seems like I do see more things that are more classic and res- like re- remind me of of my younger years than things that are trying to be super modern and super techie and super forward. There's definitely a little bit of both, but I think it's it's interesting what people are choosing to wear now. So. Now, it is a master's episode. We're going to talk about a master's a little bit. These questions are random. There is a little bit about, we're going to ask some basic stuff. What do you think is going to win? This is not your typical, you know, ESPN, whatever podcast. We're not going to sit here and nerd out about years of old and tiger wins and stuff because, you know, you, you, you listeners can get that information anywhere else. And that's kind of boring. Uh, so we're here to like mix it up and be interesting. So the first question, right? Now, as a Georgian, Chris, uh, I apologize if you uh, take offense to this first question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. And as someone who used to live in Georgia, I feel like I have a right to ask this when someone justifies. So question number one, everyone's going to answer. Is pimento cheese overrated? Yes or no? Trash. It is trash. (laughs) Oh, my God. You came in so hot. That's great. (laughs) So so what's funny is, uh, Drew, I'm going to tap you on this one, but. I remember, I specifically remember a golf group, uh, group golf therapy uh, podcast where you guys were talking about how terrible it was. And I just remember Bradford going in and I felt every bit of that. <laughs> I'm like, yo, who in their right mind thinks this tastes any good? Now, I do understand that there is this. So, so that's the weird thing about Southern people, right? Is that if we can ast- attach any kind of nostalgia to the masters like it could be freaking rich crackers with peanut butter and like a little jelly in the middle if they offer it at the masters people would still say it's amazing right mm-hmm. now That's what right. i will what i what i will also say is that there is some pretty good food there like there's some awesome and the fact that the price points are still like what they were back in the day makes it even more nostalgic. Like, I love that. But you can miss me with the pimento cheese. I'm good on that. Okay, then it's actually funny. You just touched on my second question, but Drew, so pimento, go go or no go? What's your vibe? 
Well, I, as as uh, as Chris alluded to, we we actually dedicated an entire podcast episode of. <laughs> I didn't hear that one. I have to go listen. To you that. Gotta so we we are we are fully on. It's funny because usually on a podcast, you know, you want some give and take, and you want some uh, tension. But all three of us agree that pimento cheese is is trash. So I'm, glad, <laughs> I'm glad Chris is on board too. Otherwise, I would have felt bad. But no, we we stand on the we stand on the side of of pimento cheese is is bad. But wait, so okay, so I'm in, definitely I hear you trash, right? But are you? The question was, is it overrated? So you guys are saying if you're saying it's trash, you're saying it's like maybe I didn't even ask. I might not have asked the question the right way. So overrated, too much hype. It's overrated because it's objectively bad. It's, it's perfect. It's it's, it's what, what cold, he said. It's a cold, cheesy, pimentoy like it. it the, the 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 texture is bad the flavor is bad everything about it is bad that's it it's over, <laughs> it's, 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 it's overrated and I, and I think chris is right i think chris is right where he said it it's you know anything that is masters related or masters affiliated that people will just say it's good just because of its it's uh, close ties but if you if you would just have a pimento cheese and you didn't know the history you'd be like why would anyone eat this 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 tastes like something a toddler would a toddler would make <laughs> When they like didn't know initiation. how to make something. Yeah. That's it's like fair. an initiation into the, yeah. you know, yeah. it's yeah. like terrible. Man. That's fair. So you're eat, you're basically eating, you're eating tradition, not a really good sandwich. That's basically what we're saying. Here. Yeah. It's a tradition I don't want to yeah. be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm good that's, on that. Look, that's fair. Here's, here's my take. And, you know, it's fine. It's not, I'm, I'm here nor there on it. I'm pretty like, I'm not super excited about it. I could have it, not not have it. As I do get older, again, old people comments. I am concerned about the high fat content, but you know, the bread is the bread is kind of whack. It's kind of stale. It's a little mushy. <laughs> and obviously, like be, being in the South, like you know, as you know, anything with copious amounts of mayo, it just gets like consumed, and it's just like we just out here eat mayonnaise. So. I think it's, yeah, it's unanimous here. Uh, pimento cheese is overrated. So next question, because I do like the vibe, and I think this is interesting when it goes back to the tradition of the lower concession prices at the, at the golf course at Augusta National, which I think is a very dope thing. Um, I don't want to talk about what you think about that specifically, but I'm thinking about that idea of having food and not having it be this overpriced thing and then also having it be simple, right? Do you think more courses across the country should adopt that idea? Now, just to build on that, one other thing that I would say is that understanding that food costs, beverage costs, you know, it takes a lot of money to run a club and order these things. Do you think courses should keep their menus super, super simple, maybe do some throwback stuff, maybe bake the food prices into other things to kind of like level the playing field just so you can walk in and say, hey, a sandwich is three dollars. You know what I mean? What do we think? So, okay. So the first part, like Augusta National is Augusta National, right? Like the Masters logo is renowned across the world. So they have the ability to do that and it really not hit their um, hit their budget tougher than it would any other public muni. So I understand how they're able to kind of keep that uh, uh, time loop on their prices, which is really cool. And I love that because they make, they make most of their money from obviously membership fees and then their pro shop. So, so it's cool that they have 
they they're making enough to where they can kind of sustain that. Now a regular golf course, I don't really think that with especially with inflation is so crazy with the price of everything. Um, so what I really would I obviously would want to see some fair prices, but I'm still understanding of the market. What I would really like to see is just more variety in the food choices, right? So like it'd be dope like to go to to get, you know, be able to get some sushi rolls or mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Tacos at the turn. Shout out to tacos at the turn. Mm-hmm. And just different, you know what I mean? Different, different types of food that welcome different ethnicities or different cultures. Like I think that's super important because again, there's already so many walls that are up with golf and we're trying to tear them down and i think when when you do that it it gives people a different glimpse into what the culture is all about like everybody's always talking about like hot dogs and all of that which you know that that is kind of synonymous with you know muni golf and golf but i really feel like if we saw more diversity in the food choices uh it would be more of a welcoming kind of map to to people to get involved in the game I support that. That's interesting. I, I think the golf golf already has so many things that are gatekeeping people from joining the sport from buying clubs to figuring out how to play golf because it's it's an extremely difficult sport to figure out if you don't know anything. You you think of other sports, it's like soccer, you kick a ball in a net, basketball, you shoot it into the hoop. Like anyone can kind of figure that out. You don't have to you don't have to be a a rocket scientist to figure out most sports golf right. is one of the most difficult sports to learn not only just the the fundamentals of a swing but all of the rules of golf the unspoken rules of golf it's it's a very intimidating thing so i think food if you can if you can bring food into the into the equation and make it more accessible like that's obviously going to help uh get more people interested in the game um especially if they don't have to spend 27 dollars on you know a sandwich at the turn um but you know it's also the fact of like like chris said you there are you know food margins are tough the way it is so it's like can you make it any more cheaper than it, it already is and and so you know you you can't lose money when you're a business either so i think there the one thing that they could do is just have more options um and whether it's whether it's like different uh different types of of cuisine that they serve or just you have like a high low menu so it's like you can get the the wagyu beef uh burger or you could get the hot dog for three dollars so if they can just have a little bit more diversity so it's not just only high-end options or it's not just only um you know you can only get like a snickers bar and a bag of chips where it's like okay well i was a little hungrier hungrier than that <laughs> if uh if you could swing right. that so yeah was, i think if, if they just had better or more options and more variety and i know it is tough you know if you're at like a local muni that that are barely trying to keep the lights on to, to maybe do that but at you know the mid-tier higher end courses just give us some more options that are affordable for 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 people that are that are coming on yeah, that's fair. It's interesting because living in New York and I think about hot dogs and the amount of times as a New Yorker that I eat, do- eat hot dogs, I don't really eat hot dogs. And it's even rare that I get one at a golf course. Uh, it would be interesting because when you bring in this idea of tapping into local food culture, like I would want to have like all of my favorite street snacks, I would have them at the golf course, which include beef patties, uh, 
there's always like the lady in the corner selling the mangoes, like just cut up in a little Ziploc bag with a little tagine. That'd be dope. Churros would be amazing, right? Like tacos are strong, any type of empanada. I think you could also just go down a full on rabbit hole of having uh, portable food themed days. Like, okay, one day it's a taco, the next day you keep the hot dog in the mix just because it's OG, right? The next day it's a samosa, like whatever it is, because there's like, there's so many interesting things that you can do, but then keep the themes tight and, uh, and streamlined and affordable. So anyways, uh, so that's, that's my ramble about that. Uh, next question. Um, in terms of watching the Masters, this is very interesting because it kind of goes back to technology. How do you guys watch it? Uh, do you watch all four rounds? Do you watch only some rounds? And if you do, how, how and where are you, do you guys consume most of your master's content? For example, for me, I'll go first. I will rarely, and I'm trying to think, just go back over the years, I will rarely watch it on TV only because it's the middle of the week. And I'm sometimes I'll kind of work from home the past couple of years with COVID, but it's always been like, stuck at a desk somewhere or in transit or whatever. So I tend to watch most of it on my phone, to be completely honest, um, at least for the first couple of days. And I'm also very weird as a golfer um, where if the, op- especially in New York, if the opportunity presents itself to play on the weekends and if it's warm enough Saturday or Sunday, I'm, I'm playing golf and like, I will, I'll have the phone, you know, I'm watching little highlights in the, in the cart. Uh, but I'm I'm more of a passive Masters watcher to be to be completely honest with you. Like I remember the year that Tiger had his comeback, I was playing this course out on Long Island with a buddy, and uh, we were kind of like checking in. We thought it was over. Uh, we we just finished our round. We were eating eating in the clubhouse, and then we we were about to hit. And we we're like, oh, Tiger's kind of like coming back. Let's just stick around. And we literally watched the end of it, like in the in the pro shop just kind of like hanging out for like the last, you know, four or five holes when he kind of started to like do his thing and Francesco hit that ball in the water and then like people started losing it. Uh, but yeah, but how, how do you guys watch, watch your masters, consume your masters content? Um, I think from, for me, so I, I, I took that break from golf from playing golf for a while. Um, so from probably 20, 2009 to 2019 i was just i wasn't watching golf i wasn't playing golf but the one tournament that i did watch in those in those years was the masters it's funny so like the masters was the only golf tournament i watched i didn't i didn't watch any of the other majors um i i went to the pga when i was in at whistling straits in 2015 and i went to uh i went to the us open when it was at aaron hills in 2017 but i wasn't i honestly wasn't watching golf i like i was there i was like i don't even know who's good anymore i was like is mm-hmm. jordan spieth good like so i was totally tapped out of the golf scene but i always watched the masters every year um and same same like you andrew i you know was working in, in an office so it was just like up on one of my monitors on you know masters.org um, and, you know, I think they have such a good website or a good, you know, mobile. So you can have, you know, like they have Amen Corner, they have 15 and 16, they have featured groups. So you can kind of have a couple of tabs open and see what's happening. Um, and then, yeah, by the time it would get to the weekend, if it was interesting, I would, I would have it on TV. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty much phone or laptop or iPad, whatever, whatever device is closest to you, um, especially on Thursday and Friday when it was, uh, when I was still working in an office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, um, 
kind of similar to what Drew was saying. I mean, normally I like to uh, take the time off. So I'll actually take a Thursday and Friday off. Mm. And uh, that way I can just go full golf mode. You know what I mean? You know, have the laptop up, have the iPad up, have the TV up, and just completely just golf nerd all the way out. So much so that I'll even, you know, minus the pimento cheese, I'll try to duplicate some of the some of the items on um on uh on their menu at the house. You know what I mean? Nice. I mean, some like pulled pulled pork chicken barbecue. Mm. You know, hook it up. So yeah, that's really nostalgic and meaningful for me. I think out of all the majors, the Masters is the one major that I will actually watch from the beginning until the end. So much so that my wife knows. Like this year, I told her she was trying to plan right. like a little trip. I said, "Yo, the Masters is this weekend." <laughs> you, all I need from you, honey, is you need to know that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm going to be completely golf nerd out. So I need you to understand that, you know, obviously I'll still be daddy. I'll still be hubby. But this means a lot to me. And I just need you to keep that in mind. And she's yeah. like, you know what, baby? I got you. So, yeah, just establishing, um, <laughs> establishing, you know, kind of what we're going to be on. That's that's where we're at with it. So I've taken Thursday and Friday off this year to really nice. completely nah, divulge into it. Yeah, man. And you know, I, I plan on dropping a collection um this week as well. So oh, dope. that collection kind of gives me more time to kind of like do the customer service side of things, making sure orders get packed, making sure everything's processed. So yeah, man, it's it's that's a whole tradition for me now. Um I feel like master's collections can be they're definitely synonymous, and I think a lot of people do do them, but I like to dig a little deeper into the history, especially the history that's not really shown a lot, like the Black Caddies. Like last year, I did um, a Black Caddy uh, um, Oak Hill kind of uh, um, homage uh, crew neck and a couple other items that just gave homage to the urban legends, man, that were the Black Caddies. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I think it's super important to pinpoint those because a lot of people look at the masters, especially people that are outside of the game. And I mean, even people inside the game, they're like, yo, why are you watching that? Like, it's called the masters for a reason. And I'm like, yeah, you can look at that side of it. But when you really, when you like golf or when you love golf and you, you can look at, you can look at it through the lens of, okay, this did have its history from here, but let's mm -hmm. see how it's grown. And let's also, Let's let's pinpoint some of the things and 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 make the best out of it, so people can see. Like I said, the black caddies—they are literally, uh, like I said, urban legends. Um, they knew that course like the back of their hand. I mean, so much so. I mean, there's stories of, you know, Jack Nicholas, um, for instance, being able to. He had a particular caddy that he always stuck with. I forget his name. It's not coming to me. And whoever's listening, I know you probably know the name, but it's not coming to me right now. But um, every year, every single year, that caddy was on his bag, making sure he was on point. I mean, he, like I said, these guys are legends. So um, being able to just pinpoint that and pay homage to that is super important to me. So um, the Masters is still great. Um, it's definitely had some racism. It's definitely had uh, some pain points and some things that just can be frowned upon, honestly, for lack of a better way of putting it. But um, I feel like it being the first major of the year and then with the change in seasons, that's what kind of makes it so nostalgic for all of us. 
for sure. I hear that. Yeah, I just Googled. So his name was Willie Peterson Jr. He passed in 99. But yeah, the dude is a, an absolute legend. One of the, uh, what is it, Uneven Fairways. Uh, one of the best golf documentaries out there. Um, kind of uh, documents his life and then the, the life of a lot of the Sandy Hill uh, uh, caddies from around Augusta. Augusta. So dope. Dope to really dig deeper into that. And I, they even touch on like uh, um, uh, Charlie Sifford, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, Calvin Pete, and, you know, all those legends. And um, it's cool to see that that relevancy is still there and that that can still be pulled from our history and brought to the forefront so people can really um, dig deeper on that. So, yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's dope. Speaking of, uh, so the caddies. Yeah. I, I had one other question with caddies, which we'll get to in a second, but I would actually watch a tournament at Augusta national or anywhere. If they actually let the caddies play, like just, just let me watch the caddies just go out. And cause you know, a lot of them are really good at golf, like very, like, and they know the course, they know how to read. Like I would watch that. If there are any, uh, tournament uh managers that are listening to this podcast that you can have that idea for free because i would watch that you know what i'd like to see i'd like to see them do that and then let the players be the caddies for the day. oh that would yeah there you go that'd be good and then and, and then let them be mic'd up too you know yeah it All has right. to be it has to be mic'd up <laughs> it has to be, has to be it, it would, it so would be just like you know how in the uh the all-star weekend they always have these unique events for basketball where you know they do celebrity games and they do three-point contests yes. that would be insane if they did a caddy uh duel like a caddy match where the caddy yeah the caddy played and the player was on the bag for them and it was mic'd yes. up because you know their conversations are good and spicy even you know when they're when it's the reverse role but right. it, it would be fun to hear like greller you know like yelling at at speed and be like hey you gave me the wrong number man Right. Right. That would be oh, that, so that, good. That'd be great TV. It would be good TV. And it, it's so funny because, you know, they got the par three contest, which is cool and traditional, but these are things that can really make the game even more interesting. You know, even from somebody from an outside perspective, because, you know, there's this, there's, there's this stipulation of like, oh yeah, the caddy's basically doing whatever the golf, you know, his golfer says, or the golfer's doing what, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. to kind of spin that on his head mm-hmm. and i'm sure if, you know the world got heard that news they'd be like oh for real at the at augusta national oh yeah, yeah. i got it tune in. i don't even watch golf but that just sounds cool yeah. so yeah it's simple things like that that can just bring more eyes to the game for sure yeah it would be very interesting because you you think about the amount of times in other sports football basketball tennis whatever and they don't always air this stuff during the broadcast but there's always some you know you see some clip they pull up a phil jackson clip he's like coaching mike or whatever and you hear him on the sidelines like talking to the guys and like i'm sure maybe the people that are watching the game passively at that time didn't really think anything of it but i think sometimes when you have that 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 data and then you look back on it it actually is really cool because um so, so Adam, one of our co-founders, he was on another podcast. He did the the foreplay podcast, and 
he was telling the story. I mean, I was there while they were recording. It's kind of like listening. And he was telling the story about, you know, when he made that putt. And when you watch the video, you don't hear any of that. But when you, you know, because you're just watching and you're hearing the commentator. But when you hear him and his caddy going back and forth, or they're talking about the read, is it one cup, it's two, like, that adds a whole other layer to it. That's like, you can't, because that stuff's not scripted and it's real. And then to see whatever the outcome is, is, is wild. So it's pretty, it's pretty dope. So last question, actually, there's two more questions. So uh, we have the caddy one. Um, so this is my answer is connected to caddies, but this is the larger question. The larger question is, you think of all of the like golf movies, right? I'm surprised they have not made a masters themed one probably because augusta won't let them shoot there right because you kind of have to shoot there but if you could make a masters movie right it could be a winner it could be a loser or whatever so two-part question one who would it be based on right and then what's the year and then the other question would be who do you think would play the main character <laughs> Yo, know, Andrew was in the kitchen with these, man. Wow. He was cooking it up. This is a great question. Um, well, well, Andrew, this uh, is your question. So if you if you had one in mind, I'll, I'll, I'll defer to you. So I will start with mine. After doing a little bit of scrolling, right, What the year that I thought was interesting, because I'm thinking about a couple things, right? I'm going to give my layers, then I'll give the answer, right? I think doing a movie, just doing a movie about, all right, here's the person they won is fine, right? It's good, but I think that's not, going to give you that much just information right okay we know tiger won in x year we know jack won in this year whatever whatever like like tiger's comeback year to me is too easy of an answer so my thinking was it would be the very first year that tiger played at augusta which is 95 right 1995 finished tied for 41st made no money because he was an amateur it would be around 1995 right? He finished a couple strokes better than Seve. Uh, the main character of the movie would actually be Tommy Bennett. He was the cat, Tiger's caddy. Because what I think is really interesting about these caddies is because, one, these guys know the course, right? Two, you also, you also have to think about the caddy mindset of going into Augusta. I don't even know, because I'm sure there's a whole story about do these guys know who they're going to get paired with? Do they have, are they like squabbling on the side who gets who, right? Are they, are they kind of like gaming like, oh, I'm going to go reach out to so-and-so or, you know, are, are these guys getting calls? Because you know at a certain level, like the OGs, the guys that win, like they kind of have their guys reserved. So there's always that, that internal pecking order within the caddies, which I think would be fascinating to see on film, right? And then you see this, and then you see this new kid, this amateur, right? And we know that over the years, like amateurs that play, in hindsight, when we look back now, we're like, oh, we should have paid attention to that dude because you know he he crushed it. Uh, but like, I've never even watched the 1995 Masters with Tiger, and I'm just curious about the mindset of, you know, Tommy seeing this kid roll up, and he's like, who are you? Right. It's like, oh, I'm going to be in your bag. I'm not going to be on, you know, I don't even remember who won that year. Um, I'm not going to be on the bag of a, you know, a, someone who's probably most likely going to win. But I think that would be an interesting story. And just to see, you know, how that whole thing played out. Number one, hold on. Ben Crenshaw won in 95. 
So like, it'd be interesting to see how was that dynamic between Tiger and the caddy, right? He, you know, he played fine. He made the cut 41st, whatever. Um, no one's really expecting too much out of an amateur, but it will be interesting to see what trajectory that put Tiger Tiger on, and then what trajectory from there did it put the, the the caddy on? I think that would just be a really interesting story because we know how the movie ends, right? But then just no one knows how the movie began, so I think that could be kind of dope. Now, who would play it? That's a hard one. I was actually trying to do some doppelganger dang, doppelganger stuff for our caddy um hold on i have to find what was his name yeah so tommy bennett he's he's kind of like a you know he doesn't have any too many distinguishing features hmm we might have to do like a full-on casting just to find like a dude that looks like him but i do think with tiger i think tiger would be have to be played by someone who the look is hard to do right you'd have to do like a body cast and like teach someone to swing a tiger. And I would do in some of those like really bad, like Michael Jackson or Michael Jordan movies, or they like have a dude, but like you never really, you never really see the dude's face. It would be like, you'd see like, you know, side profile and stuff, but you would just kind of like, know it's tiger and whatever. So anyways, put a guy in a, in a red shirt and a black hat. And yeah, it's just some dude. Hey, and just show the back of them. Just show, yeah. the, just show the taper in the back. That's yeah. it. That's all we need. Just, just, yeah, taper in the back, super baggy polo, pleated pants, and then the caddy. Yeah, the caddy's just like disgruntled, like giving giving this amateur kids, you know, seven iron and stuff. And he's like, "Man, I'm stuck with stuck with this kid." So, anyways, that's my answer. <laughs> yeah, that sounds I wanna, so I wanna, cool. I want to green light that immediately. Who can we get to pay for this? Someone needs to pay for this. And who can let us shoot out Augusta? Netflix? Do you want to? You can have this Netflix. They got yeah, they, they got they definitely <laughs> got the power, bro. And yes. and 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 the after money. seeing the full, yeah, and the money and after seeing the full swing, you know, yeah, that would be a good look, bro. I love that. That's dope. Um, yeah. well, my yeah. my my I feel like my my movie wouldn't be as exciting, but I'm I was just I was so fascinated with the ascent of of Phil Mickelson and his career and his like career arc. And he's just such a, a fascinating character, whether, you know, what, whatever, whatever your thoughts are on Phil now and, and prior to uh, live, but Phil was always a guy that I rooted against because I was a fan of tiger. So mm. anytime Phil was winning, I was upset because that meant he beat tiger. So for me, it was, you know, every time that, that Phil didn't win another major, I was like, Hey, you're never going to win a major Phil. And, you know, I guess I can, I can eat those words now as, as Phil has won uh, a handful of majors, but I'm, I would love to, the movie that I would make would be documenting all of the times he was, he didn't win uh, up until 2004. Uh, You know, all the times he was so close to winning that green jacket. Um, And, and, you know, obviously he did win and then he won another one, but it was, you know, he, he, his career arc was so much later than tiger you know tiger came on the scene hot and won a lot and feels like i've been doing this for a while and and like i still haven't won that major and it was like it was a, a mental thing it was almost like is he ever gonna win it was like when lebron went to miami it's like mm-hmm. lebron's been playing a long time and he's been the best player in the league for a long time and maybe he's never gonna win one and and then he did mm-hmm. obviously win many so I, I almost look at them not not i'm not saying that phil and lebron are the same or they have but they had very similar careers where they were very good at a young age and they played really good 
or they were, you know, one of the best players in, in, uh, in their respective sports for years. And then, you know, it took them a little bit to get there, but once, once they got it, it clicked. And then they're like, I can do this again and again. Um, so it would be like, basically the movie would be, uh, just documenting all of his struggles up into the point of actually winning his first masters. And then, um, yeah, just like the the culmination of all that hard work paid off for winning what he had been trying to to accomplish his whole life. Um, and I have no idea who would play that. Some we like you need a body double, uh, some some white left handed dude. <laughs> the movie's definitely called Lefty, by the way. It's called Lefty. The movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what's funny about that is I I can see Jonah Hill. Oh, interesting. To kill that. I, yeah, how tall he, is he? How tall is Jonah? Is he tall? Like he's like five, he's, I think he's like maybe like five ten. I don't think he's that tall. Oh, okay. I was gonna say maybe, maybe he is. I don't know. Maybe he is. CGI can do some amazing. Yeah, things. I can. Yeah. I can true. show see him killing that role though. For real. Yeah. I can, yeah. If he, if we could get him to swing a golf club properly, I, I, I don't know. I don't know golfs. if he golfs. Yeah, Jonah is pretty cool. He probably does. <laughs> but you know, we've been taught. I kind of brought up COVID a couple times, and I really think um, if we did. Um, just, uh, cause think about this, right? I can't remember the last time that a masters was played because this, the masters in 2020 was in November, right? Was it November? Correct. It was in November. Yeah. I would love to see a movie, um, where they, uh, kind of document that because that was such a weird time. It was. It was like we were in the twilight zone, you know? Imagine being at Augusta playing your round as if you were at a, you know, just a private club, you and your boys, you know, you no crowds, really right. quiet. The vibe isn't there. Um, and people kind of, <laughs> you know, that win for DJ, as cool as it is, you know, and congrats to him on that. I feel like it comes with an asterisk. I hate to say that. But I feel like it comes with an asterisk because it's just not the same. Like, even if I was him and I, that would fuel me to want to win again um, in a situation where it's, you know, it's the regular. Like, you got all the fans there. You got all the hoopla. You got the, mm-hmm. the tradition. I feel like that just has, is so much more meaningful. So I would love to have a documentary or a movie kind of centered around his experience, you know, kind of what he's thinking in his head. Maybe play off some of the other players in the field. Uh, definitely should cast uh, Bradley Cooper as uh, Dustin Johnson. I think that would be perfect. I like that. Mm-hmm. I'm here for that. Yeah, so uh, that would be really cool to see. And um, what would we call it? Uh, Was this the year that he didn't have the beard, right? Dustin Johnson, he did have the beard? Yeah, yeah, he had the beard in 2020. Um I think, yeah, I think he shaved it for, like, the PGA Championship or something weird. I think he had – no, it was for the tour. Was it for – no, it wasn't for the tour because – Yeah, I think it was. It was for the tour. It was for the tour, but I don't know what year because I know for – because I go to every tour championship because it's at Eastlake. Yeah, yeah. He showed up to the practice round and he didn't have a beard. I mean, a beard and – um. Who is this uh, guy? Who was that? No, no, no. It was funny. Um, one of the the players, uh, I've got his face in my head, but I can't think of his name. Um, uh, anyway, 
he, I saw them joking back and forth on the range. And when DJ walked up, he kind of looked at him like, who, who are you right now? Paul Casey. <laughs> Paul Casey. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I just I just Googled Brad, uh, Bradley Cooper with a beard, and I see it. I could see a little Dustin. I I see it. That's a good match. That's a, that's a really good match. Okay, last question, guys. It's Masters Week. We're about to watch some really awesome golf. Who do you think is taking home a green jacket this week? So, Rory. With the confidence. He's got that new Go Scotty ahead. in the bag, man. If he can keep putting like that like he was last week, it's game over. Rory's okay. high right now, dude. Rory's hot right now. Can like, complete the Grand Slam? Interesting. He does that this year. That will just really set him on a different level. Now, um, it's cool because the live guys are going to be there too, right? Yep. yep. So, potentially, yeah. Um, Full no, 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 not potentially. They're they're going to be there. They're yeah. Be there, right? Well, I mean, yeah, if yeah, they yeah. yeah if they show up, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they all will. Oh, they oh, yeah. gotta yeah. show up. Yeah, yeah. you gotta show up. Yeah, the guys, the guys that have won will be there, guaranteed. Even the, some of the guys that, because you know that the world rankings are all jacked up now. But um, yeah, if if you still qualify, which will be hard if you haven't played to the you know the world ranking qualifications in over a year, it's it's going to be hard to get in there. But the guys that have won will be there for sure. Um, Patrick Reed, that's, that's for life. Oh, the the oh the year. P. Reed. Uh, That's the word. So that was the one. That was the one <laughs> Masters that I did. That I did like on Sunday. You know, like I said, I watched it all the way through Sunday. That was the one Masters that I kind of cheated on. I was like, all right, man, I don't want to see this. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. Go- golf didn't want to see that. No, the PGA Tour oh, didn't want to see that. What was that? Was that 2018? 2018 or 2017? 20, 2018. Yeah, 2018. 2018. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that was, yeah, that was year before Tiger. Wait. So are you saying Reed's going to win it again, Chris? No, 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 no. <laughs> Just, when, when you name when you name the guys that you know were potentially coming or playing, uh, I wanted Ricky I so think, bad that year. Yeah, man. So, and Ricky's having a resurgence right now. He, is, he looks yeah. good. He looks he looks confident. He looks he looks like he's in his bag. So, I would love to see um, see what he does, but I, I, I'm not there with him yet. I think uh, the Rominator. I think he's going to mm. do something. Mm. I like John Ron. He's, I feel like so much has been kind of snatched from him on some random, you know? Um, and I feel like if, if he wins this, this, this will just set him off uh, on, on a, on a different tangent of uh, success. So I would love to see Ron, Ron take it and roll with it, but I'm with Drew. I, I do like Rory too, but I'm so close. Uh, I, I think, but here's the thing. I think with Rory, because you know, people, you know, if I'm looking at it from a social scope, like people are always already like, oh yeah, the PGA tour, that's their, that's their golden boy. They gotta, you know, they gotta mount them up there. And, you know, so if he wins, like people will really like, that'll really rub it in a lot of people's faces, which I think the PGA tour would love. Mm-hmm. And he, he would, Rory would too, which is cool. You know, I understand that. Um, but for the sake of playing devil's advocate, uh, I think, um, I think it'd be cool to see Ron win. Yeah, he's been playing great. What the beginning of the year? What did he have? Like he had like five wins, and it was it was a crazy stat. Crazy, yeah. 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 He was he was going off. It was on fire. Do you guys think that Scotty could go back to back? Because Scotty's been playing some unreal golf lately too. Yes, I, there's there's no reason why he couldn't. That's the scary part. He's been hot for a year straight. It's insane. 
Right. He goes back to back. Yo, that will put him on a different like. Yo, that would be incredible. Um, I don't think he will though, because I think a lot of people are going to show up for for the Masters. Like, yeah, I think a lot of people are. There's 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 a couple players that are practice that probably practice like all day to day, and probably practicing still now getting ready for that. So, Mm -hmm. um. I, I don't. I think he'll be up there, but I don't. I don't think he's gonna win. Though. That would yeah. be crazy, though. If he did, yeah. oh my gosh, yeah. That would be crazy. That would be major. Look, I feel like it's. I don't know. I don't really have a guess. I'm just gonna. All I will say is this: there are many sleepers. I think, like for example, I feel like at Bay Hill, nobody saw Kurt Kitayama coming. I feel like a lot of. I think a lot of guys slept on him. I think a lot of guys slept on Sam Burns. They thought Scotty had that in the bag. So I think there's like a lot of guys that are coming up. And I also, uh, the last thing that I will say is for my boy, Adam Scott, right? I will say that, for example, the year that Tiger won, it showed you that obviously you have to execute the shots. That's one thing, which Tiger does better than any other golfer we've ever seen in our lifetime. But there is something about the factor of experience and when you know that course and how to play shots. So it'll be interesting to see like, will a young hot shot come and get it? Cause like we remember the year, the year that like Rory almost won, he kind of fell apart on the weekend. I'm forgetting what year that was, but you know, he was, he was new on the tour um, or he was, you know, it was one of his first times at Augusta. So there is the quotient of uh experience at Augusta you got to know the course and play the course and respect the course right because you can't like the Bryson model doesn't work at Augusta like this the smash and you know try to out, outplay the course that just doesn't work there um the experience and like how to play the shots and how to pace yourself that has a lot of uh, power there as well but you know early early Tiger Woods and some of these other guys will show you that like someone on a hot streak can come in and take it all so yeah, for me, it's, you know, anybody can do it. It's like, who's who's going to be hot this week? I think that's that's the big question, and time time will tell. I was going to say, you know, you were speaking of the hot shots and young guys. Um, what year was that when Will Zalatoris kind of, like, shot up on the leaderboard for a while? Um, what was that? That was – we're in 23. It wasn't last year, was it? It was, was, it, was 21. It? 21, yeah, that was crazy. Cause I mean, this kid. I mean, you know, he's fresh out. You know what I'm saying? Still, still wet behind the ears, man. And um, I remember him, seeing him ball out. Like I'm like, this is like, you know, this is Augusta National, bro. Like mm-hmm. this dude is. He was he was showing up. So like you said, Andrew. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens this year. Again, man, I'll, I'll definitely be here watching it with my. Well, my TV, my iPad, my laptop, we'll have everything set up. All like, the screens, yeah. All the screens. All, all the screens. That runs concurrent with uh, the kids' spring break. Um, Ooh. So, oh, oh. The good thing is, hold on, you know what? You know your boy got a plan. Shout out to my wife. Um, I love you, baby. Uh, she plans. <laughs> so my, my you know, I had to put the plug, right? Have to. Parents, right? My parents are watching them that week. Um, oh. so yeah, every, everything is, it's, 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 it's looking good, man. Oh, you have, you have planned this out to a T my friend. Yeah, you really did. Yeah. You have, you have cleared the calendar. You've taken the days off. You got the house, get the house to yourself. Right. 
you 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 told the wife it's like hey babe this is my time she's like cool so like you're just you're just gonna be chilling yeah it's funny andrew because a lot of people like a lot of my homeboys were trying to golf that saturday and i'm like you know i i like what you said about how like on sunday you played and then like right when you guys finished your round you know what I'm saying? He was able to go in the clubhouse, eat a little sun, maybe have a couple of drinks, watch Tiger win. Like, that's incredible. But I just feel like if I tried to do that, <laughs> the round would go on a lot longer than expected. <laughs> and we would totally miss the whole rest of the tournament. No, you got to go to like, go to like seven, play like a, look, seven thirty, eight o'clock, early morning round, get out there, get it in. Because I will say, look, and that was the only time that I ever did it. And I kind of want to do it again is that the feeling of watching the Masters while you're in your golf clothes, while you just walked off the course, is a great feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, love yeah. It. <laughs> I love that. Too. It's good. That's what I'm saying. It sounds so cool and so nostalgic. Uh, I just know how my life is, bro. And I know how my, my boys that I play with, they, they, you know, I'm the guy. I could get up, man, it's 5.30 and be at the course. You know what I'm saying? It's 6.30, <laughs> ready to go. But a lot of my homeboys, they don't like really. I mean, a nine a.m. tea time for them is like early. <laughs> it's painful. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So a lot of times, and, and a lot of the courses we play are like 30, 40 minutes out. So, you know, being aware of that, it's kind of like, all right, all right. So we probably not going to get a tea time. It's about ten. Yeah. See that? No, no. Now, now you're in the now you're in the danger zone. Danger zone. Right, yeah. The whole day is gone. See that? That that's why when the Masters weekend come out, I'm not even trying to do that, bro. And if I like, even if I were to be, um, to kind of break uh code and like go play, I'd probably play Dolo, go play Dolo yes. by myself, get a little quick nine in, just to get that feeling right. It's perfect nostalgia, yes. right? Right before mm-hmm. the Masters, you know what I mean? Walking in as the tournament starts like that is a good feel so yeah man yeah. i don't know man i might i might have to, I, might. I like that play a little solo nine we'll, fo- we'll follow you in the fair game app we'll tell you like yo get back to the house drop the bag right in front of the tv and just end this chill so that's it guys thanks for being on the podcast this was fun let's go watch some masters can't wait Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fair Game Podcast. If you haven't already, you can hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever service you may be using. We've also launched the Fair Game app, golf's first digital clubhouse, the place to play your game and connect with golfers across the country. You can find it in the App Store or on Google Play. You can also find us on Instagram at Fair Game Golf and check out some of our original videos on our YouTube page. You can find all these links in the podcast episode details. We'll see you next time.